Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, we have a huge snow globe on stage because there's just something about a snow globe that brings us back to the childlike wonder of Christmas. Snow globes serve no practical purpose, and they're really simple, and they're all pretty much do the same thing, and yet whenever I see a snow globe, I just have to pick it up and shake it and watch the magical snow or really glitter fall on the little scene below. There's something about a snow globe that's like hearing a Christmas song or looking at the Christmas lights. It just reminds us of the childlike wonder of Christmas. Our three-month-old granddaughter, Mary Love, is absolutely captivated by Christmas trees. The first time she saw one, it moved her to try to communicate for the first time in her life. She was just in awe. And so whenever she's brought into a room with a Christmas tree, it just captivates her. And then if she looks away for a few minutes and then looks back again, it's the wonder all over again. Just watch. You see, that is the childlike wonder of Christmas, isn't it? When you put a few lights on a Christmas tree and everything in life turns magical. If only it would stay that way. But it doesn't take long before the lights on a Christmas tree just don't do it for us anymore. And presents get more expensive. The season gets more stressful. Everything just gets a lot more complicated. And the childlike wonder is replaced by real life worries. So what I want us to do is uncomplicate Christmas today, to get back to the simple wonder and power of its true meaning. Look at this passage as Matthew records part of the Christmas story. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the names given to Jesus is the Hebrew name Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. And those three words sum up the simple yet profoundly powerful meaning of Christmas. Now, when some people think of God, they imagine this cosmic being out there just somewhere in the distance. And he created everything, but he never really gets involved in our lives. In other words, he's thought of as kind of a snow globe God. He's the one outside the globe, controlling everything, watching, but not really involved. They think he's out there and we're all on the inside, but he never intervenes. He stays on the other side of the snow globe. But those three words, God with us, tells us that God, who created it all, broke into the orb of time and space 2,000 years ago, and he entered our snow globe of human existence to show us that he's not only more powerful than we could ever fathom, but he's also closer than we could ever imagine. God is with us. God with us. Those three words change everything. I want us to focus on each of those words, one word at a time, to really experience the life-changing power of Christmas in our lives. God with us. First, God. 
It all starts with God. The first words of the Bible in Genesis 1-1 are, in the beginning, God. Everything begins and ends with God. Without God, there is no purpose. Life is just a meaningless existence. But because there is God, there is purpose and there is meaning. Genesis 1-1 goes on to say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we look at creation, we see that there is a creator. When we look at Christmas, we see the creator's purpose. In Colossians 1.15, it says, we look at this son and see the God who can't be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Did you hear that? Everything finds its purpose in him. God didn't make anything without a purpose, including you. And you'll never find your purpose apart from God. God made you for a purpose, but it's so easy to go through the motions of life, you know, just trying to make it through another day that we lose all sense of purpose. And the Bible tells us we've all wandered away from God's purpose for our lives. And we've tried to find our purpose without him. And by the way, your number one purpose in life is to experience a relationship with God. You were made with this emptiness in your heart that no amount of pleasure or success or power could ever fill. The creator is the only one that can fill that hole in your heart. It's an emptiness that only a relationship with your maker can make whole. And the creator came at Christmas to bring you back into a relationship with him and to fill us with purpose. I grew up in Chicago and I felt like I was living in a snow globe in the wintertime. Now, snowy scenes are beautiful to look at, and that's why snow globes are so much fun. But if you're actually living in one, it always involves some of the discomfort and frustration that always goes along with real life stuff. Now, I have great memories of sledding and building snowmen and ice skating, but I also clearly remember the hard parts. And take sledding, for instance. It's so fun, I would love to go find the biggest hill and then just fly down it as fast as I could. But that 10 seconds of pure joy, let me tell you, for those of you native Texans, it's followed by 20 minutes of sheer agony as you get up and you're really wet and cold and you drag your sled back up the hill, slipping and sliding all the way. And those snowdrifts, snowdrifts are beautiful. And we used to have snowdrifts that would cover our mailbox. And it was awesome to look out the window in the morning and it was just a wonderland. But when it's your turn to shovel the sidewalk, then it's not quite so much fun. It's a whole lot of hard work. And you'd be amazed how much work it is. Snow is so heavy, who knew? It looks so light and fluffy. And I would go ice skating, and it was very idyllic. There's a pond in the middle of town, surrounded by hills with trees, and it was just picture perfect. But when you're out there actually ice skating, which I did all the time, it is so cold. And there was no Zamboni coming around clearing the ice. You know, you'd just be flying along, and then you'd hit a rough spot, and just get out and fall. 
Or maybe there'd be a part that was a little bit slushy and the same thing would happen. You'd fall, except for this time you even got wetter. And when you got done ice skating, you come in and go to take your skates off, but you can't because those skate laces have gotten so wet and those knots are so tight and frozen. And anyway, your fingers are so cold they don't work anymore and you can't even get your skates off. I mean, there were parts of it that were really tough and frustrating to me growing up. Although it looked from the outside like, wow, this is just beautiful and perfect. Actually living on the inside of the snow globe, there were a lot of difficulties and hard stuff. I think I'm still trying to thaw out from my childhood. In seventh grade, I went the entire winter without wearing a coat. Now, don't feel sorry for me, I had one. It was perfectly good. It was one that my grandma had picked out especially for me. And it was blue and brown patchwork fake rabbit fur. It was hideous. And I still feel guilty saying that, but I, I knew that uh, my parents would think I was ungrateful if I didn't wear it. And they made that clear that that would be the case. Uh, but I also knew in seventh grade, the cardinal rule was you need to fit in. And let me just tell you, nobody was going to fit in wearing this coat. It just wasn't gonna be possible. And so the way I managed that was I would kiss my mom goodbye at the door in the morning and walk out the door with my coat and my hat that my other grandma had crocheted. And then I would walk to the bus stop and on the way, as soon as I turned the corner from my house and I knew my mom couldn't see me anymore, I took my coat off and I stuffed it in a bag. Now, we're talking it'd be maybe 15 degrees outside, but I was so anxious to be accepted that that's what I would do. And then I would go to the bus stop and people would say, aren't you cold? And I'd say, oh no, I got hot. That's why I took my jacket off because you don't see anyone standing at a bus stop in Chicago in the winter without a coat. And I would be clenching my teeth together to keep them from chattering. And I did that literally every day of seventh grade. Not proud of it, I sure wouldn't do it anymore. I'm the opposite now, I just always want to be warm and I will grab the closest thing and wrap it around me. Now that situation of being cold was entirely of my own making, that was all my fault. Um, that was me. I mean, have you ever wanted something so badly that you made some really stupid choices along the way that ended up bringing you some pain later, but in the moment, you just thought it was worth it? And then maybe some of you are in a place where hurt has come into your life and you had nothing to do with it. You didn't see it coming. It is not your fault. You didn't cause it. It may be that you're in a season of hurt or loss or grief. And in the blizzard of that pain, it's hard to see the purpose and it feels like winter will never end. You know, when we look into the lives of other people, it's kind of like snow globes. We think that other people's lives look perfect, but actually our life is really hard. The only way to really understand the tough stuff that's in someone else's life is to get into it. But that's what God did for us at Christmas. Because of Christmas, we know the winter won't last. Your season of harvest is coming, even if you can't see it yet. God is faithful even in the wintertime. Are you going through a season of winter? 
where it feels like you're being buried under an avalanche of problems and pain. You know, sometimes winter is a wake-up call. It makes us realize we need to come in out of the cold. And the pain gets our attention and wakes us up to the fact that we need God, that we're going the wrong direction. So maybe God is trying to get your attention today because he loves you. Sometimes the blizzard is a blessing. It's a blessing in disguise. I mean, when you're racing through life going 100 miles an hour with no overarching purpose, and you're missing out on the most important relationships in your life, the blizzard can stop you in your tracks and knock you to your knees and sometimes flat on your back so that all you can do is look up to God. God wants to stop you from going down a destructive path because he loves you. But then if you're a Christ follower and you're going the right direction, you're doing everything right, God still allows us to go through seasons of winter and waiting. Some of you are in the waiting room of life right now, and you're waiting on God to come through, and it feels like that winter will never end. But it's in the waiting rooms of life, in the winter, where God does his greatest miracles, and he prepares us for the harvest. And we want you to know today, if you're in the winter, and it feels like winter will never end, your season of harvest is coming, so hold on. God is still working, so you keep on waiting. God is preparing you for the harvest. And those delays never destroy God's purpose for your life. So let's look at the next part of what we're looking at today, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's focus on the word with. God came at Christmas to be with us. God wants to be with you. You can choose to be without God, but he wants to be with you. And Christmas makes it clear. Luke chapter two records this. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Talk about good news. Not only did God come to be with us, he became one of us. Almighty God, the maker of heaven, the maker of earth, the creator of you and I, put on frail human flesh and became a tiny baby. He grew and he experienced all the things we experience, all of them. There's no experience that we can have that Christ didn't go through himself. The Bible records his birth. It records some other times around the time he was 12 years old and then really picks up about the time he was 30 years old for the next three years of his ministry until he was crucified on a cross at the age of 33. But within his lifetime, there's all kinds of things that Jesus experienced and went through as well that every baby, toddler, child, teenager does, those feelings, all the things that we experience, just because every single item isn't recorded in the Bible doesn't mean that he didn't grow through all those years. He got bumps and bruises. He got tired and hungry. He hurt. He grieved. He had losses. He wept. He was tempted, but yet he never gave in. He never sinned. But we have a God who understands our pain. We don't have a scarless God. 
We have a God with scarred hands and scarred feet and a scarred side and a scarred back. We have a God who understands our pain. He knows you intimately. He understands you and he knows how you feel when your heart is bleeding. That word with is so important. Almighty God became Emmanuel God so that we could be with him forever and eternity. He knew it was the only way that we could spend eternity with him. That word with changes everything. Because of our sins, we were without God. There was this barrier that kept God and us apart, sin. On one side was perfect God and his perfect place, heaven. On the other side was us in our sins and brokenness with all our mistakes and regret. And the Bible says all of us have sinned. There's none of us that are perfect like God. And it was sort of like being stuck in a snow globe of unbreakable glass. And no matter how hard you hit against the glass, you're humanly unable to even make a scratch. And by the way, that's what religion is. It's trying to get to God with our good works. It's trying to get through that unbreakable glass of our sins by doing enough good works, thinking my good will outweigh my bad. If I do follow rules, rituals, and regulations, then maybe God will accept me and approve me and bring me to heaven. But none of us measure up to perfect God. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. You can't get through that unbreakable glass of sin to get to God's perfection. All the good works in the world can't break through the barrier our sins create. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it says that God's on one side and all the people on the other side, and Christ Jesus himself, man, is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind. So God came to this earth, wrapped himself in human flesh, became one of us, all God, and yet all man. And out of love, God wanted to be with us so much that he became one of us and went to the cross for us. And then he shed his perfect sinless blood and it shattered the barrier that to us was unbreakable because of our sins. You see that word with, put right in the middle, right between God and us, makes all the difference because that word with bridges the divide between God and us. The cross of Christ bridged the gap between God's perfection and our sins. So because of Christmas, we can have a relationship with God. When he sacrificed his son for you and for me, God made it clear that he wants to be with us. But we can choose to be without God. Almighty God, who holds the whole world in his hands, reaches out his hand to you. And all you have to do is let go of what you're holding on to and reach out and let him hold you. Now, I understand this as a parent because when our four kids wanted me, if they would reach for me, if you have a small child and they reach for you, you, you want them. You're waiting, waiting for them to embrace them. But they have a chance to make a choice. They can choose to reach out to you or not when they're hurting. They can choose to reach for something else or they can choose to reach for you. And we have the same decision to make. Like a child, we get to choose to reach out to our loving Father God, and he promises he will never let you go. Now let's focus on that 
third word, us. God with us. It's not just you he won't let go of. It's not just me he won't let go of. It's us. You're not alone because of Christmas. When you take Christ's hand and receive his salvation, you become part of his forever family. We're all in this family together. And that is a wonderful thing, to be part of a loving community. I read about a town in Michigan a week or so ago that is surrounding Beaumont Children's Hospital. And what they've decided to do as a community is every night at 8 p.m., right as the kids who are patients at the Children's Hospital are going to bed, all the kids go to their window with a flashlight. And the whole town shows up in the parking lot. They're all standing in the parking lot, and the kids shine their flashlight at 8 p.m. They each shine their light out the window, and the whole community responds by turning on their flashlights, holding up glow sticks. Fire trucks and police cars have even come and shown their lights. And we're talking over 1,000 people in Michigan, where it's cold, every night, parking somewhere, clearly not in the hospital parking lot, that would be the most convenient place, but blocks away, and then walking to the parking lot and standing and waiting with a flashlight until they see lights in the children's window. And then they all turn theirs on. Now, why do they do that? What would compel someone who, I'm sure every one of those people has something else they could be doing. They live busy lives and have families and jobs. There's other things that would logically make sense or be more efficient for them to be doing than showing up in a parking lot. But they go and they show up. And one woman put it this way, because she said, we know firsthand what it feels like being stuck inside somewhere. And it can be lonely and you can feel secluded and you feel forgotten. In other words, they get it. They understand how it feels to be on the inside looking out. And so they feel for these kids who every kid wants to be at Christmas time, especially out playing and doing the fun Christmas things. And so to encourage those kids, they stand there in the cold waiting for the flashlights to come on just to let them know, hey, we're in it with you. You're not forgotten. And when I read about this, I realized that this is a great picture of what the church is. You know, maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel like no one understands what you're going through. Maybe you don't have the words to articulate how you really feel. You just can't express it. All you have to do is shine your light. Just reach out. And not only is God there waiting for you, but he has provided his church the church is waiting for you too, a whole community of Christ followers who will respond to you and say, yes, we understand. We don't have to all go through the exact same hurts to know what it feels like to hurt. We don't have to all grieve the exact same loss to know what heart-shattering loss feels like. And that is what the church is for. See, by definition, if you're a Christ follower, it means that you've come to a place where you've said, yeah, and admitted, I'm broken. I am broken on my own. I'm trapped in this snow globe on my own. I need help. And that's when God shatters that glass and is right there for you. 
But the church is here for you too. And we want you to know you're not alone. The church is here for you. If you don't have a church home, we welcome you at Woodlands Church. You see, church is not a place that you go to. That's just wrong. People think of church as, oh, it's located over here or on that street. No, church isn't a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. And the church is waiting to embrace you. It's God's gift to us. We get to walk through this life, not only holding his hand, but surrounded by others heading the same direction. And it's a forever family. God came to be with us so we could be with him forever in perfect heaven. I like the way Richard Foth puts it when he says, he came to our place, he took our place, and he invites us back to his place. The maker of heaven and earth made a way to heaven for us. It was the maker's hands that fashioned the infinite universe and crafted the cosmos and filled it with billions of galaxies. It was the maker's hands that carefully formed the earth and placed it perfectly for his purpose. Then, in his most magnificent act of creation, he reached out, took the dust of the ground, and breathed life and purpose and meaning into human beings. The maker made us. And for a brief moment in the perfect garden, we walked hand in hand with our maker. But in pride, we broke away from the maker of heaven and earth to make it our own way. In foolishness, we thought we could make it without the maker, but all we made was a mess. Instead of making everything, we started breaking everything. He was the maker of heaven and earth, and we became the breakers of heaven and earth. In our attempt to be our own maker, we became broken, and our fallen earth was filled with brokenness. Broken hearts, broken relationships, broken lives. And no matter how hard we tried, we couldn't make it right. We couldn't make ourselves whole again. That's why the maker of heaven and earth left his throne in perfect heaven and made his way to the manger. And the hands that fashioned the universe became the hands of a tiny baby. The hands that crafted the earth grew into the calloused hands of a young carpenter who crafted chairs and tables and mangers. Then the hands that had made the heavens became the hands held out that stopped the raging storm. And the same hands that made the mountains made the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk. And the same hands that made every tree in the forest were the same hands that stretched out willingly on a tree and took the nails so that he could make a way for us the maker of heaven and earth reached out his nail-scarred hands and offered to us all of his righteousness in exchange for all of our sins. And the maker of heaven and earth died to make a way to heaven for us. But he didn't stay in the grave. On the third day, the maker of heaven and earth made the earth shake and darkness tremble in fear and death run away in disgrace as he made his way out of the grave so he could make his way into our hearts. The maker of heaven and earth can make a way for you. And maybe you're in a situation today where it feels like there's no way. And maybe it feels like there's a barrier there that you just can't get through. There's a problem. There's a pain that you just can't get over. 
The maker of heaven and earth can make a way where there is no way. Maybe it feels like to you right now there's no way to get through and the walls are closing in. The maker of the mountains can move the mountain that you're facing. The maker of the universe wants to make a way into your heart. The maker of heaven and earth made a way to heaven for you. But you have to stop trying to make it to heaven yourself. Now that's religion. Christmas is not about religion. I mean, I don't care what religion you are or what religion you're not. Christianity is not about religion, it's about a relationship with the God who made you through the Christ of Christmas. And so have you ever received what he's done for you, what he's given you? It says in John 1:12, but to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. You say, well, Carrie, aren't we all God's children? No. God created all of us, and God loves every one of us just the same. Every life is sacred and treasured to God. God loves every single one of the men and women, boys and girls, that he has created. He loves every one of us exactly the same. But yet he gives us the choice as to whether or not we want to be part of his forever family. See, God had to because he created you to love you. He created you as an object of his love, but for love to really be love, he had to give you the choice as to whether or not you wanted to love him back. He had to give you the power of free will because love's not love. If you're forced to love, that's not true love. And so God gave us the power, the maker of heaven and earth gave us the power to choose whether or not we loved him back, whether or not we cursed his name whether or not we even believe he exists. He gave us the power to choose whether or not we want to be in his forever family, adopted into his forever family. And so have you ever made that decision? There has to be a point in time in your life where you choose that you wanna be in his forever family. As I know people who celebrate Christmas year after year, but they never have received the gift of Christmas. For it says here that you believe and receive. And I know people who believe in Jesus, but they've never really received him into their life. They've never at a point in time received him and chosen to be with him and received all that he's done for them. They've never stopped trying to save themselves, stopped trying to make it to heaven on their own and trust the maker of heaven and earth and what he's done for them. You see, it, it would be sort of like you being woken up in the middle of the night with your smoke alarm going off and you, you wake up and you, you smell smoke and you see flames all around you and you try to run downstairs but the stairway is collapsing because of the flames. And, and then you try to go back up, you get back up on the second floor and you realize all the windows are blocked with flames and the flames are closing in. The only place you can go is up in the attic and you know that's a terrible place to be in a fire, but that's all that's left. And then all of a sudden, the flames come up into the attic and they're closing in on you and you know that you have very little time left and all of a sudden you hear a thump on the rooftop and it's not Santa Claus. And you're really excited about that because it's the sound of an ax breaking through 
the roof, and then you see that there's a, a hole, and then the hole is getting bigger, and you look up, and you see the light shining on this huge firefighter. And then he reaches down, and he says, just take hold of my hand, I'll save you. There you have a choice. You can choose not to, or you can choose to reach out and take his hand. He's done everything for you. He did all the life-saving, rescuing work. And now all you've got to do is just take his strong hand. And you take his hand and he lifts you out. And he rescues you and he saves you from the flames that are coming at you. You see, that's what salvation really is. The maker of heaven and earth made a way for you. And then he reaches out his hand and says, take hold of my hand. I'll save you. I'll rescue you, but you still have the choice as to whether or not you'll take his hand. And maybe you believe in Jesus, but you've never received him by reaching out your hand and taking hold of that forgiveness and grace in heaven one day. Has there ever been a point in time in your life where you've received him, where you've taken his hand and let him save you? If not, this is your Christmas. In fact, I want every one of us this Christmas to make sure that we experience it and make it powerful, we have to make it personal. And so I want every one of us to take out that little card that we put in your program. It says get connected, but just take it out right now. Everybody take that out. There's a little box at the top there. And if you would say to me, Carrie, I want to reach out and take the hand of the maker who's made a way for me. I want to take the hand of Christ and let him save me, then would you just put a little cross in that box? Something happens when you make that decision and it moves from your mind to your heart and your lips to your fingertips and you write it down. It's you choosing. There has to be a point in time where you choose to receive Christ and his free gift of heaven one day, forgiveness, salvation, his gift of Christmas. And so if you'll just do that, no one's gonna come to your house to bother you about that decision. We wanna send you information on how to grow now in this decision to follow Jesus. And if you would say, Carrie, I know Christ is in my life. I've invited him in. I've reached out and grabbed his hand. He's saved me. I've received his free gift of salvation. God is in my life. Jesus Christ is my Lord. But I have to admit, I've wandered away from him. I'm not as close to Christ as I once was. I haven't been very involved in church lately. I haven't really been spending time with God. I've been going down the wrong path, and I'm not as close to him this Christmas as I have been, and I want to come back. I want to renew my, I want him to renew my heart. I want to renew my faith this Christmas. I want to be in church in January every weekend to grow in my faith and spend time with him in the morning, just reading his word, and I want to get back to him. He's just waiting. He says, come home. Would you just draw a heart in that square so we can send you information on how to grow stronger? And January is going to be an amazing time at Woodland Church, so I'm kicking off this series we're calling Simplify and Soar, because when you declutter your life from the things that seem so urgent but aren't important, and you start focusing in on the important things, you find a power that you never dreamed of. And that's what we're gonna be talking about in January. 
and how to really grow in your faith, to do the main things, the most important things, and really focus in on your purpose in life. It's kind of like a light. When it's diffused, it's not very powerful, but if you focus that light, really focus, it turns into a laser that can cut through metal. God wants to focus your life. And then if you would say, Carrie, I've still got a lot of questions. I'm not even sure I believe in God. And we say, that's okay. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you're an agnostic. And maybe you just got a lot of questions. That's okay. Bring your questions to God. God's not afraid of your questions. Keep coming to the church. Keep learning. You do an honest intellectual search for the truth. But if you would say that and put a little question mark in that box, we want to give you a free gift. Our teaching pastor, Lee Strobel, has written a book called The Case for Christ. And it's his journey from being a hardened atheist to a devout Christ follower as he did an honest intellectual search for the truth. And that book will be in the foyer. You just take this out to the foyer, and one of our great volunteers will give you that book. But we just want to encourage you in your journey. If you put a cross here, and maybe you would say, Carrie, I think I've received Christ, but I'm not sure. I've ever taken his hand. I'm not sure. Well, then get it settled right now, Christmas 2018, right now in this place. Just bow, let's bow our heads right now. And if you put a cross there, just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for making a way to heaven for me. I believe in you as best I know how. And I receive you into my life. I reach out my hand and accept your hand and ask you to save me, to forgive me of all my sins and Come into my life and then take me to perfect heaven one day. I receive your free gift of salvation in heaven and forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Now I ask you to help me grow as a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life and he'll never leave you. And I really encourage you to turn this in. And if you're a first-time guest and you put a cross and you received Christ, then you can take it to the foyer and get our gift that we got a, a book that Chris and I have written we want to give you uh, to help you in your faith journey. Um, but if you put a cross, turn it in the offering basket or take it out to one of our volunteers, we want to know about it so we can send you information on how to grow in your faith. Now we sing our praises to the Christ of Christmas. Everyone else seems to get presents at Christmas, but the birthday boy is Jesus Christ. So we offer him our lives, our heart, and our voices lifted up to him with carols by candlelight. Would you keep your candle burning just a moment longer so that we can pray for the men and women of our armed forces who are around the world right now, protecting our freedom to be here to worship. And dear God, we thank you for all those that are serving that can't be home this Christmas. We just ask you to let them know that you're with them, that We're with them. We love them. And we thank you, Lord, for watching over them, protect them. We thank you, Lord, that they are serving to protect our freedom, Lord, that we could be here to worship this Christmas. So bless them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, don't forget that January 6th and 7th, we kick off the new series, Simplify and Soar, and really kick off the new year. And then also we have a New Year service next Saturday and Sunday, our regular service times get back with uh, our New Year's 
services in Saturday night, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11.30, and then our traditional service at 9 in the chapel here at the Woodlands campus. So check out a campus closest to you and be back, you know, next week. Um, didn't this team do an amazing job? We've got 23 more services to go. Um, I know you can't clap. I love watching this because, yeah. How committed are you to clapping right now? Yeah. You can blow your candle out. Hey, God bless you. And from Chris and I and our family, Merry Christmas, Woodlands Church, and Happy New Year. We love you. God bless you.